This is the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast with your hosts, Scott Walker and Jamie Davis, episode 195. I'm one of your hosts, Jamie Davis, author of Fun Fantasy and Sci-Fi Reads. I'm here with my co-host, urban and cozy fantasy author, Scott Walker. Hey, Scott, you know, on our last episode, we talked about, let's see, making Thanksgiving turkey leftover sandwiches with your sourdough bread. And I know that the whole world is wondering, did you make sandwiches? How were they? How amazing was the sourdough bread turkey sandwich? Be prepared to be disappointed. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) We we wound up uh, not hosting this year. My sister-in-law kindly decided to host our family and an extended family for Thanksgiving. And she did a delightful and awesome job. And we had a great time gathering around the table. Unfortunately, because it was all at her house and and there were no leftovers, uh, I I wasn't able to kind of... um, put some aside as it were that the evening of, and by the next day, I'm like, Oh, there's, there's literally no leftovers. And she said, there's no leftovers. And I was like, Oh, Scott will not be having a sourdough Turkey sandwich this year. <laughs> so I don't know. I have no idea how it tastes. I still have yet to make it. Hopefully fingers crossed, maybe next year. Although my wife has offered very kindly to do a um, traditional Turkey dinner uh, sometime in December. Oh, that'll Maybe be nice. For, yeah, first or second week in December, just for us, just for our family, because she knows how much I do like stuffing, gravy, turkey, leftover sandwiches. So, hey, we'll see. Maybe I'll maybe I'll have a, like a, an update in the next episode or two. We'll see. To be continued. <laughs> da, da, da. How about you? Did you get a good time with the family? Have I did. Time? I did. We hosted um, my family and um, my uh, mother-in-law came down as well. And it was very nice, you know, just kind of visiting. And, and I did the turkey and and so, and helped out with some of the other things. We, you know, we had a big traditional spread and we had lots of leftovers. We had a pretty big bird. And so that left us plenty for sandwiches. And then we made a giant, uh, I made stock from the turkey carcass and then we turned that into soup that we ate on for like the next week. Um, so it was like turkey hash soup. It was really good. So um, and you're having a you're having a blizzard out there. So the weather's perfect for soup. Yeah, right? it is. It's well, it's not blizzarding here in in Maryland, but it is freaking cold. So it's been <laughs> um, like I, I went out to I went up to the gym to work out this morning. It was 19 degrees. Ooh, so chilly. That's, I mean, look, I, I'm from the East Coast. And 19 degrees just should not be on the thermometer no, at any point. It, it's it was cold. It was cold. <laughs> I was like, what am I doing going up, you know, to, to work out in this weather? It's crazy. I mean, I was working out inside, obviously, but still it just just walking to and from the car was was just <laughs> daunting. So I'm not ready for the cold yet, but. It is going to be December by the time this podcast comes out, so I, I suppose I need to get my winter winterized self together. As they say, winter is coming. Yeah, it definitely is. And um, I'm curious, Scott, what what um, you've been working on because you've got we're going to talk to you as the guest in this episode. But you've got so many irons in the fire and so many different things going on <laughs> that we're we're talking about your urban cozy urban fantasy book in the later in the episode, but you've got other stuff going on that are like really exciting. So you want to talk a little <laughs> bit is. about cozy veils? 
Yeah, let's 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 talk about actually let's talk about everything because I I you know I don't know what we're going to cover in the actual interview portion. Um, so I currently have two projects I'm working on. I wrapped up my little yokai Japanese series. That urban fantasy series is complete. Six books, uh, freebie prequel novella that you can download on my website skydeswriting.com. So loved doing that. I now have a, a complete series behind my back. That's great. The next series that I launched last year is Manhattan Magic. That There's a perma-free novella that's up on the major retailers. You can download that for free. Then that leads into the book that is launching December 1st called Spells and Sourdough. That's book two in the installment. I have also put up book three, Rituals and Recipes, for pre-order, scheduled to launch in April of next year. My goal is to get it out sooner than that, but at a minimum, it'll be April. And uh, so for, for fans of Dwarves and Daisies who like that first installment, you'll be able to continue Melina's journey with Spells and Sardo. That goes live December 1. It is available in KU. It is only available at Amazon. Uh, there is a paperback version as well. That's Manhattan Magic. So that's been keeping me busy. And then there is the secret uber secret project I've been working on and, and teasing all year about, which is this cozy fantasy shared world called Cozy Veils. And it's been very difficult, kind of like when you and I were working on Delta Underground Operatives in that shared world where for, I think, a year plus, some of us were writing secretly. We couldn't talk about it until the project went live. Uh, it's been the same thing. We've had to work on this for months and not talk about it. Uh, for for such a long time, and then we were finally able to talk about it in October, and now we're finally launching our first offering, which is a collection of nine short stories, all winter themed, centered around two fictional holiday settings, or I should say holidays in this fictional shared world called Cozy Vales. Uh, one of the holidays is called Winter Winter's Tide, which is a two week season holiday that leads up to a single evening called Lantern Night. And Lantern Night is the big pinnacle of the winter holiday, happens on the solstice in Cozy Vales every year. So when we decided how to launch this project, uh, we're all going to be writing our individual stories. We thought we would do a seasonal-themed anthology as our first debut offering, let all of the writers kind of write their own little intro short stories give readers a taste of that particular author's tone and voice and the kind of stuff they like to write. And we decided to come up with Winter Tales from Cozy Vale. So that anthology uh, also, uh, that actually it's live now. You can download uh, for free the ebook. The, the ebook is on all the major retailers. And then you've got the paperback version as well. That's on Amazon right now. We're going to try and get that out to uh, other retailers soon. But that's uh, that's live right now, even the day we record this. So we're very excited about that project. And there will be more to come because I've got plans for running a series. The, the short story that I have in this anthology introduces my character, Jennifer Wells, who is a hearth witch. And in that short story, she's presented with an opportunity that will change her life. And the novel, the first book in the series, will kind of deal with her decision on what to do with that. So, yeah, lots of irons in the fires and uh, um, wrapping up 2023 in a very good place. And we'll talk more about spells and sourdough in the interview portion. But what about you, my friend? I know you did NaNoWriMo and you've been doing that for, I don't know, 10 years and yeah. knocking it out of the park. 
No, well, yeah, not, not it was a it was a pop fly to center field um, this year, uh, <laughs> which was easily handled by the shortstop uh, who ran back to get it and waved off the center fielder. Um, uh, so yeah, I I'm not going to finish Nano this year. Um, Fifty thousand words is the goal in one month in, in the thirty days of November. And um, you and I attended a conference together early in the month, which was fabulous. The Twenty Books to Vegas, the last Twenty Books to Vegas conference for authors. That was a fabulous event. Um, I helped run that event, and I really. If I don't say so myself, I think it really went very well. Um, everybody seemed to have a good time, and it's morphing into something new called Author Nation, which is going to have a reader segment to it. So for readers out there, it'll be an opportunity to come and meet some amazing authors and and get some signed books and things like that. And I'll have more about that in the, in, over the course of the year. But um, So that kept me busy. And then I, as soon as I got back from that, I got sick with COVID for a week. The good news was I was well in time for Thanksgiving. So I was not sick during the holiday, but um, I was sick for the week before. And so the combination of that, just two weeks of un- being really unable to get any effective words in, I just, I, I got to 40,000 words, which is no slouch. A lot of authors are like, We'd, I'd be thrilled to have 40,000 words in a month. So I, I have to like, reset my expectations. Um, I'm not going to complete NaNoWriMo this year, or I didn't complete it as the time this podcast came out because the 30th is well past. Um, but I'm, I'm happy. I got 40,000 words in. I'm on the move with getting um, Cluster Command, the eighth book in my Lone Wolf Squadron book, done. So I'm about the halfway mark, and I just need to keep plugging along and get it done by the end of the year. Man, the eighth book. Yeah, I can't remember when you first were talking about this series. How I mean, look, you're doing just fine. Forty thousand words. You didn't hit NaNoWriMo. You're you're still doing okay. You were a yeah. productivity machine. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. <laughs> um, I, I just you know, it, it's 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 kind of you know, having done NaNoWriMo successfully, and you get a little you get a little downloadable PDF certificate when you win. I mean, it's kind of stupid that I'm upset about it, but. You know, it, it is what it is. I, I, I'm excited to have given it a go and, and gotten as far as I have considering the, the hurdles I had to get over. So I just have to kind of keep that perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I got, you know, it, weirdly enough, I was doing NaNoWriMo for a couple of years and then I got hit by a car while I was crossing the street one year. <sighs> I did not finish NaNoWriMo that year. Oh, no. <laughs> I yeah. Mean, it happens. It happens. It happens, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you're feeling better. I am. Congratulations. I understand you are, do I have the title right? You are the director of the conference for Author Nation next yes. year. Is that right? Yeah, I've moved up. Craig Martell, I'm really, really due to some health reasons, had to really step back and not run 20 books anymore. And so we've, it's been bought out by another venture headed by Joel Solari. Joel, Joe's a great guy. He believes in the the mission of 20 books um, to really create a safe and and vibrant community for authors, especially independent authors. And so that's going to continue, but it had to change its name because it's shifting businesses ownership. So we created Author Nation um, and Author Nation is going to be next year, I believe, beginning on the 11th of November and running that whole week. So um, 11th through the 14th. Uh, And it's going to be starting off with an author event. Fantastic things going on. Uh, lots of great sessions, lots of opportunities to meet with vendors in the industry, 
networking with other authors, which is how I met, you know, Scott, you and I connected through 20 books. Um, so it's, it's all that's going to still be there. Plus for the readers who listen to this podcast, there's going to be a fantastic reader event. Again, the rave event, which is readers and, um, readers and authors Vegas event. And it is, going to be on the 14th that friday so if you wanted to plan a trip for a long weekend in vegas if you're a reader that that would be the time to do it because you're going to be able to go to vegas and meet some amazing authors some super big traditional authors are going to be there so super big time authors are going to be there um if you get in there in time for thursday night you could get tickets to come see kevin smith do a keynote speech on creativity and just all kinds of awesomeness so that's going to be cool and then you can stay for friday and go to the author event walk around hundreds of authors are going to be there of all genres with their books, signing copies of their books, giving away free eBooks and things like that. There are going to be so many opportunities for readers there that um, I'm excited to be able to share it with you on this podcast. And we'll have more details on that as the year progresses. Very, very excited about that. I've done three 20 books, Vegas events, and this year, hands down the best of the three that I went to. And a large part of that goes to you and the rest of the volunteer team who kind of step up and volunteer your time and make it happen. And I am thrilled that Joe has brought on so many of the 20 books team to for Author Nation to, to, to smooth the, the transition as it will. I know that with you guys uh, in the background helping him out, supporting him, it's going to be a great event. So I'm looking forward to seeing you again next year in Vegas. 100%. And I'm glad you're going to be there too. Um, it, we're going to have a great time. And and um, I've got a great team working with me as the director. Uh, I've got some wonderful things happening in the background that I'll be able to talk more about as they become official. But um, it's, it's, it's going to be great for authors, great for readers, and great for both of them to be able to hook up and get together to um, share their books, share their stories, share their love for reading. Uh, it's all going to be um, all happening that week in November. Awesome. Awesome. Can't cool. wait. And yeah, and Rave has been, Rave has grown as well the last three years. Yes. Um, so it's going to be even bigger under Joe's uh, stewardship, I'm sure. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we're kind of ready to do the interview. I'm I ready think we are. Ready. You ready to do the interview? Let's do all right, it, man. Let's all right, it. folks, we're going to clap our hands here and then go right into the interview. So, Scott, we usually ask the person on the show to introduce themselves. But since we just talked about what you were doing and what's going on, I don't think we need to do that. You really need no introduction to the fans of this podcast as my co-host. Um, but we're here talking about your stuff today. And I'm really excited about the release of the the second book in the Manhattan, Manhattan Magic series. People have been just blowing up about the first book, which has been available for free and is just a great cozy urban fantasy read it's it's got so many great things going for it and now that sourdough um spells and sourdough is out um is coming out uh it's actually out as this podcast gets released um it's pretty exciting it is it is it, it's been it's been a long journey um yeah it's been a very long journey i'm excited and i'm just i'm finally glad that it you know took me a long time to get to this point it took me a year between 
releasing, I think in November 30th, I want to say November 30th, something somewhere around there last year, I released Doors and Daisies, which was um, originally meant to be the email sign-up cookie at the end of what became Spells and Sourdough. I wrote both these books at the beginning of 2022 and had them edited and then sat on them for several months while I was working on Little Yokai. And then I got invited to do the Delta Underground Operatives uh, Shared World Project with you and Kimber and Nicole and a bunch of other awesome authors. And I was like, I, you know, I got to put this brand new little urban fantasy series aside. I've got to, i got to clean up some of the things. I've got to take care of Delta Underground Operatives. And so unfortunately, um, I guess for better or for worse, I got to the end of last year and thought, you know what? I've got this little novella and um, why not just toss it up, see what the market and readers have to say about it. So uh, in between, really interestingly, in between me writing it at the beginning of 2022 and then publishing what became Doors and Daisies at the end of 2022, I discovered this thing called Cozy Fantasy, and it blew my mind as a reader and a writer. And I made the decision that I I, I loved what I'd written for Manhattan Magic, but um, it was originally set on a West Coast uh, little coastal town. It was very, very, you know, coastal, small town, very... I guess cozy mystery, if you will, but I didn't want to write a cozy mystery series. And so I picked it up, moved it to the East Coast, decided that while the first book would start in a North Carolina coastal town, little tiny coastal town, the main protagonist would very quickly be leaving that town and heading to Manhattan, hence the name of the series. And so it got rewritten in a late, fall, I guess, fall of 2022. Dwarves and Daisies got completely rewritten as a cozy and then got uploaded. And I thought, we'll just see what readers think about this. And if they like it, I'll continue with the book. And if they don't, I'll go on to something else. And here we are a year later, and Dwarves and Daisies has racked up some really nice ratings and some really lovely reviews. Very excited about it. And the, the ARC readers and the beta readers who have read Spells and Sourdough love it. They say it's a great sequel. So I'm thrilled to finally get that out in the world yeah so by the time this podcast goes live you can go grab your copy of spells and sourdough it's live yeah i'm really excited about it. people are going to really enjoy it uh i've read it uh my wife's read it uh we've, we've both enjoyed it great greatly and we can't wait for book three um which is all also available for pre-order now so i mean you're, you've got things kind of lined up to have three books out there pretty quickly um you called it a cozy urban fantasy and there are cozy mysteries. So why don't you just kind of, cause we talked about this before we started recording that there's some people that might be thinking this is like cozy. Oh, it must be like a cozy mystery, but there's some key differences. So why don't we talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, this is, this is a recurring conversation for better or for worse for me. And it's something that I've been obsessing about ever since I discovered cozy fantasy last summer. So there's there's no real hard and fast definition. It would be the same exercise as trying to define what urban fantasy is and isn't. There's a lot of flex there, but in general, cozy fiction, and then there's a there's a lot of subgenres and niches under that large umbrella. Cozy fiction has a, a handful of tropes that you typically find: found family, uh, food, an emphasis on food and drink interpersonal relationships take the stage as, as typically as opposed to external um, obstacles, if you will. 
Uh, and then you've got things like um, violence is happening off the page. Generally, if it's on the page, it's non-graphic, it's not gross. It's, we're talking no horror. And you're typically looking at lower stakes. And that that's relative. I mean, it can be some of the stuff that crops up in these cozy fantasy, for example, reader groups. You know, I read them and I was kind of surprised that it qualified as cozy by these readers. But so many of them were recommending them. And I just decided this this thing, this cozy fantasy umbrella is really, really wide. And so you can put a lot of things under it. And the conclusion I came to was it's all about tone and context. So you can put a lot under the cozy umbrella as long as you're doing it in a way that readers are enjoying the experience and it's not deviating too far from what they feel is a um, not necessarily a beach read like to me cozy is not a beach read it's more like a fireside blanket cup of coffee in wintertime read uh, so it leaves you feeling you know, ultimately happy um, and and it just it, it's a very different kind of a reading journey so there are Cozy Mysteries, which I think a lot of readers are familiar with, you, know, you think it's murder she wrote. Uh, it starts off with a dead body at the beginning of the book, and there's a mystery to solve, and it's all pretty lighthearted. Um, it is not CSI. It's not The Wire. Um, it's it, it's very, very sanitized. It's almost a Hallmark type level of, of uh, language and action and violence. Um, but I didn't want to write cozy mysteries. Um, I'm not, I'm not, as a writer, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not attracted to that genre and, and having to come up with a mystery and a plot and a dead body over and over again was not something I wanted to do. So I thought long and hard about it. And when last summer I realized the cozy umbrella is really, really large and can handle a lot. I decided that for Manhattan magic, what I wanted to try was a, uh, a non-mystery approach. There are mysteries, but they're not based around a corpse. They're not based around a dead body. So there can be mysteries to solve, but the mysteries may or may not be the A plot of the book. And there will be some action, but I wanted to make it clean. You know, there's there's no F-bombs in this series like there were in my little yokai Japanese series. And uh, what's there for me is, is a large step towards or into the, the cozy fantasy. Um, so when I went about writing this, this book, I started looking around trying to figure out what was the shape of cozy fantasy. And so I, I call it a cozy urban fantasy, but not a cozy mystery. And I hope readers understand that distinction. And I hope that readers are learning that there's a lot there. There's cozy fantasy, there's cozy sci-fi, there's cozy urban fantasy, there's cozy contemporary, cozy, there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, anyway, that's a very long question to a very short uh, or answer to a very short question. Um, and I'm still trying to figure it out probably is the best, uh, the best response. And I think that one of the things that's, that's really cool about what you've put together here is, and, and what you've discovered about the cozy umbrella of you know, genre is that it can be many things to many people and, and mean different things. And, and that, especially in your books, you know, I feel that cozy feel. I mean, there's definitely a hominess to all of the settings. Even when she gets to Manhattan, um, which, which happens in book two, you know, there's, there's a home there that is obvious that, that it could be the place where she settles if she, if she chooses to do so. Um, and I don't want to give too much away, but I mean, it's just, I mean, there, there's, 
Cozy denotes that sit by the fireplace wrapped in a blanket with a mug of cocoa or coffee or whatever your hot beverage of choice is and just enjoy the hominess of the story. And I think that you've definitely transmitted that aspect of what I think cozy means. Um, and, and then you add in the urban fantasy elements, the hidden world, the magical creatures, and you've, you've done so much amazing world building and taken and taken the hidden world in a different direction in some ways than I've seen in other urban fantasies even. And, and so you've developed a lore here that I think is just really intriguing because it sets a mystery all on its own. Yeah, it was, it was different. I, I didn't intentionally set out to write little yokai as a, as an open world where the supernatural entities, the yokai in that series were out and about publicly known, publicly interacting with that, that mortals knew about them and were on a regular basis having connections with them. Um, I, I just, for the purposes of the, of the story I wanted to tell, that one had to be an open world. And then when I turned to this one, I just, it, I, w- I wanted to use Faye, which I had not done yet in my books. And I kind of fell back on that, that common world building mechanic of it's a hidden world. And there's a reason why mortals shouldn't uh, and don't know about Faye. Um, there's a whole other thing, uh, a whole other community that uh, Melina is going to meet. Uh, I don't want to do any spoilers, but when she gets to Manhattan, her world kind of opens up in a whole brand new way. So she she's known about Faye for her entire life, and she spent uh, most of her life in Cold Creek, North Carolina, hiding from the Faye, thinking that they are hunting her. And what we learn in Dwarves and Daisies is that eh, things are not really exactly the way they've been presented to her by her mother. And the generations of journals and personal diaries that have been handed down through Melina's family uh, she's beginning to question a lot of the truths, quote unquote, that were presented to her there. Then she gets to Manhattan. And if she thinks her world's a little bit off its kilter or a little bit wonky, then uh, it gets even crazier. And she has to deal with even more discovery uh, that's still hidden, but she's allowed through that doorway. She's a, kind of the, the curtains parted and she's invited to kind of see what's going on behind. So there's a couple of different communities going on once she gets to Manhattan. And I, I enjoyed playing with that in terms of, okay, why is it hidden? Why does it have to be hidden? Why should it be hidden? What happens if it's not hidden? What are the stakes? And, and playing around with that particular trope was fun. But most, <laughs> mostly, I really had fun slowing things down um, uh, compared to Little Yokai and focusing on the relationships, or at least that was my intent. Uh, readers can decide whether I achieved it or not. I wanted to slow things down and have more quiet moments in between scenes where, um, particularly in this one where she's interacting with so many new characters in Manhattan, she's building those relationships and she's kind of finding her feet and sorting her way through this new world. So that was the goal. Uh, well, again, we'll see what readers think. There's a whole scene in Spells and Sourdough where she's come from this small town and she's walking down the street in New York City on her way to the park. And like, it is like any person who's comes from a small town, which I do, who's gone to New York city. And it is that eye opening, like the world is a much bigger place than I thought it was moment where you just see people that aren't like you. 
Um, and, and you see people from different cultures and different backgrounds and different lifestyles and different everything. And, you know, the choices that these other individuals make are not the choices you would make, but that doesn't make them wrong. And so she has a moment like that with the hidden world because she can see things nobody else can see. And and I just, I love that scene. I don't, and it doesn't give anything away to talk about it, but people are going to, I mean, it just, it is, it is definitely that whole broader world and, and. You know, the key the key thing behind the scenes in this is the misunderstanding that her family has led her to about the magical world. And so I think that moment when she's walking down the street is just another part of that. This is a bigger thing than I ever thought it was, because what are all these creatures doing right here in the middle of Manhattan? Right. And it's just it's just amazing. And I I really love how you've you've pulled it together. And I'm curious what was your inspiration for, for Manhattan magic? You know, you, you, you talked a little bit about how it started out as an urban fantasy or a cozy, a cozy fantasy or a cozy story. Um, and it morphed into something different, but you know, there's still the inspiration for all the lore that goes on here. And I'm curious where that comes from. Yeah, it was, it's interesting that it went through a couple of iterations. And, and in fact, there's, Somewhere in my computer, there's a whole different series that I'd spun up. Again, small coastal town, not because I wanted that feel, but because I needed that land. I needed it to be at a place where I had lots of of um, unoccupied, unpopulated land that I needed for that particular story, for the mechanics of that main character and the magic she was working. And I, so I probably went through two or three iterations when I was trying to figure out what the next series would be after Little Yokai. And I, again, I went with these small coastal towns, knowing that I wanted to do something cozier, but not, but consciously not a cozy mystery. So I wanted to embrace that cozy reading experience, but I didn't want to replicate the find a dead body. Now we got a mystery to solve, find the killer that, and then the romance like that for me, those two things were not attractive to me as a writer. And so they started off the, these different worlds, these different series ideas. Um, I probably worked a couple of months on them and they were meant to be straight UF. So the, the profanity was a little spicy. The action was definitely more traditional for UF. And um, I did not hit a lot of the cozy trips because I wasn't, I hadn't really realized what that, this, as I talked about earlier, this cozy umbrella, what it was. So that was early 2022 in the summer that's when I discovered Travis Baldry's Legends and Lattes. I discovered uh, The House in the Cerulean Sea. Um, I, I discovered a whole bunch of these. And then I discovered Selena Eckert's uh, Fireside Fantasy Facebook group, which is all about indie cozy books. And, and it, it was like the, the clouds parted, the heavens opened, and the, the light shone down onto my keyboard. And I was like, oh, got it. That's what I was ultimately aiming for. It wasn't just mainstream UF that was uh, um, not, I guess, a little less action. I don't know. It, it, it kind of like all the pieces fell together. So the inspiration for this really started as a traditional UF series where um, she, she does start off in a small town. She does go to Manhattan. But I pretty much had to rewrite um, book two completely. I stripped out an, an entire sections of plots. Subplots were gone because they no longer fit that cozy theme. Uh, I didn't have space for them. I needed I needed space for those 
kitchen scenes and for those interact interpersonal interactions. Um, and I didn't have time for all of these external obstacles and challenges for her to go through from a pure word count perspective. Um, so that I guess maybe it was a combination of me coming up with the idea for a mainstream uh, UF series and then discovering Summer of 22, Cozy Fantasy, and then going back and reconstructing it in something that, that I called Cozy Urban Fantasy to distinguish it from Cozy Mysteries. Um, so yeah, that's, that's probably the best answer. You know how it goes, Jamie, you know, it's, it's like, it's a messy creative process. There's no like, Oh, uh, on Thursday at three o'clock, that's when I had the brainstorm yeah. idea for this entire series. You know how it goes. I, I do. And and it's funny that you say, cause I want people to understand there's no lack of action in this story. There is oh. a lot going on. Um, it, it may not be huge fight scenes and, you know, things that maybe people are used to from some of the broader, more, more mainstream urban fantasies, but that's because of the cozy feel like that action takes place. I mean, there's, there's a whole scene that takes place completely off the page and you don't hear about what happens after what happens with it until chapters later, because that's just how the, the, the actions carried. And she, your main character, Melina is involved in so many other things in the meantime of learning about the the world and her her misinterpretation of what was going on and not sure who she can trust. And, and, and you're right. It is about those interpersonal relationships, but it is definitely urban fantasy. I love urban fantasy and I love this series. Um, I, I, you know, it, it is not, you know, it is not Patricia Briggs and, and, um, you know, um, Harry Dresden and, and all of those characters, those characters out there and authors out there who write mainstream urban fantasy, but it is every bit as enjoyable and has the urban fantasy things I like in urban fantasy. Um, so I, I can't wait for more. Um, and I'm curious, you know, one thing that we all as authors do is bring some part of ourselves into the story, whether it's in a character or in you know bringing someone from our life into the story as a character, and I'm curious what what part of Scott is in these these books? Where where did you intersect your life with Manhattan Magic? That's a great question. I, I think anyone who's spent any time on my Facebook page or Instagram account or uh, any time with me knows that the most obvious one was the fact that Melina bakes sourdough bread from scratch. She has a starter and she bakes bread from scratch. And that's something I started doing. Um, gosh, this would have been, this probably would have been the fall of 2022. So as I was rewriting Doors and Daisies, I had started baking somewhere around September, October, which is right about the time I began to, to do the edit. I started baking sourdough bread. I was a little bit late to the game. I didn't do it during COVID. Um, but I I started it and I was like, oh, what could be more cozy than, you know, a sourdough bread from homemade sourdough bread? And then there's so much you can do with it because the as you when you use the starter, you feed the starter in the morning typically. And then there's excess starter. What do you do with it? Well, there's a thousand different recipes. You can make sourdough pizza dough. You can make sourdough crackers. You can do all kinds of things with it. And I thought if if she has a starter, and of course, of course, of course, the starter has a name. Um, in this case, Sourdough Joe, which was the name of my very first sourdough starter. So um, those two things, you know, to me, the, this, the fact that she's got the starter, she's baking this bread, she's named the starter. 
Um, that directly came from, from me and my world. Um, Melina drinks black coffee though, and that is not me. <laughs> I cannot drink black coffee. I gotta have sugar cream. I prefer a mocha, um, which I have a completely different series that we'll talk about next time, maybe. But uh the, the that other series, I have a female protagonist. Now she loves uh, mochas, and that's me for sure. Um but uh, yeah, I pulled that and then it, it happened that maybe April of 2022, I went to Manhattan, took my wife and my kids, took them, the kids for the first time. My wife had been there a couple of times before. And by that point, I knew that this series was going to involve the character going to Manhattan. And I went there with a very different I, I guess, filter. Uh, I'm looking at it through a very different filter at that time because I was intentionally having fun with my family. But again, you'll appreciate this as, as an author. I'm constantly scanning my environment for things I can include in the book. Things, little bits, little, little just details that will ground it and make it more realistic, both for people who have and haven't been to Manhattan. And so there are, I won't spoil them, but there are scenes that occurred in um, Spells and Sourdough that were not there when I first wrote it. It only happened during the rewrite after I'd gone back to Manhattan. And for, for example, Central Park became this huge piece to the entire story, it became part of this world. And it really wasn't that at all when I did the first write, uh, the first version. Um, so yeah, that that was really fun to be able to go back there having kind of gone through this process of, yeah, she's going to do this, she's going to go to Manhattan. That's where the series is going to go, but I need to rewrite it and anything's up for grabs. And then to have just, just by chance to be able to work in that visit and do all of that research um, was great. So I loved bringing a lot of my experiences from that trip into that book. Uh, and again, I don't want to spoil it too much, but um, the, the, I didn't know, even though I'd been to Manhattan a couple of times, I did not know that there was a, a lake not just a pond, but an actual lake in Central Park. And B, there's a castle called the Belvedere Castle in Central Park, which overlooks the lake. It's been there for about 100 years. There's this great history to this castle. And when we were walking through Central Park and I stumbled, we came over this rise and I stumbled on the scene and it looks like something out of you know, King Arthur. It's this medieval type castle. It's overlooking this lake. Um, I was like, this has to be, this has to be in the book. I have to figure out how to, how am I going to get this in to spells and sourdough? I don't know, but I'm going to figure it out later. So that was awesome. I love doing that. And I know you've had similar experiences. Yeah. And well, and, and goodness gracious, Scott, I mean, I didn't know that first of all, but Central Park plays a huge part of at least book two. And I'm assuming subsequent books, because if she stays in Manhattan, she's going to have to do things around Central Park at some point. I mean, it just seems like it's built for that. Um, and I've done the same thing. Um, I um, In my duo book, there's a um, an ancient dragon that resides in a an, in an Baltimore landmark um, that is the protector of the city, you know, but nobody knows that. And my duo characters, um, it also happens to be a safe house that, that, that has been arranged for them. So um, – they just didn't realize this like ancient dragon lives, lives atop the tower and they, they run into this kindly old woman who like 
when she shows who she really is, just freaks them out. So it's a great <laughs> scene. And, and, but I, I wouldn't have that if I didn't have an, a working, a good working knowledge of the city of Baltimore and it just been down to the city and used, I, we were down there for um, a, a sporting event and I walking, just walking through that part of Baltimore and looking around gave me many more ideas than I would have had otherwise, because there's something about visiting a place that you're act- actively writing about that brings out so much, uh, just a different lens that you apply to the experience. Um, I mean, just crossing the street, you know, you start getting ideas for different interactions and, and the feel of what's, what is it like? doing that and dodging traffic or hurrying up because the light's about to change or all those things that you would just take for granted on an ordinary walking trip with your family, but turns into a whole experience for your character. Yeah. I, you know, so you talk about duo and Delta under and operatives and that whole shared world series. Um, you know, I live in LA and we have this, uh, we have two tunnels technically downtown, but one of them, it has been used in a lot of films, Blade Runner and a bunch of others. And when we were coming up with the story, that 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 ended up becoming the gateway, the portal to this astral plane where this, this town called Midnight Crossings that you can only get to at midnight if you know where the portals are, but you got to cross the portal at midnight to get there. That whole fictional place uh, hinged on the one of the portals, of course, in the world. There's one. But for my book, my characters, that was their portal, this, this tunnel in Los Angeles. And most people don't think tunnels when they think Los Angeles for obvious reasons. And I was like, that's really cool. I've lived here for a long time. I've known about it. I've seen it in movies. I want to put that in the book. So yeah, it it, it does happen. You know, for, for I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this to anyone who is just starting out or thinking about writing. When I first started writing, I was super worried that I would run out of ideas, that I wouldn't come up with a new idea uh, after writing X number of books and that that was going to be a problem. I can tell you with 100% confidence, if you end up deciding to write and you're going to commit to this for any length of period of time, there will come some weird little catalyst, some weird tipping point where you suddenly realize you have way more ideas than you ever have time to write in your life. And so Please, authors out there, if you're just starting out, there are a lot of challenges to writing, but coming up with new ideas will not be one of them, I promise. Yeah, um, you know, I've I've gotten I've gotten story ideas from characters and commercials before. And, you know, (laughs) people people ask me if I'm going to run out of ideas, that's a common question you get as an author, especially if you've written a lot of stories. And I'm just like, you know, I, I look down at a, a row of ants walking back to their anthill carrying picnic items. And I'm just like, well, where did they come from? What were they doing? Why were they away from the anthill to begin with? What's who, who rules the anthill? I mean, there are so many story ideas that pop into my head, just looking at that one common thing. Um, that I just, I'll never run out of story ideas. There'll be something I might, I might have to change genres to cover all these story ideas, <laughs> but I'll, I'll get them out for sure. Um, that's great. Well, Scott, we've reached the point in our topic here where we have to switch to the rapid fire five question round, our no wrong answers segment of the show. And I'm going to do all five of the rapid fire questions for you. Remember there are no wrong answers. So if you're ready, we'll just jump right into it. Let's do it. All right, here we go. A recent trivia fact you learned while researching one of your books. 
Uh, I, you know, it's not recent, but I'm going to go with the Belvedere Castle in Central Park. That works. I think that's 100% accurate there. Do you prefer to write in silence or with music? It's not a choice. I have to have silence. I've tried to write with music and I can't. I wish I could, but I can't. That's so funny because I like have trouble writing without music. It's We're just complete I opposites. envy you, sir. I envy you. <laughs> <laughs> um, favorite childhood drink that's not soda? Ooh. Uh, Nestle chocolate milk. Cold. Excellent stuff. You got to stir it up really well, but it's good. (laughs) You always got to (laughs) stir. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Loki TV show, thumbs up, thumbs down. Uh, Two big thumbs up, way up. Stuck the landing. Amazing. No notes. Yeah. I haven't seen the second season yet, but that's on my list. So I've got to definitely catch that for sure. Um, Last one is best video game of 2023 so far. Well, considering how few games I've played this year, because I've been really busy writing, this was a year of productivity. Uh, of the ones I've tried, as the, as controversial as this will sound, I'm still digging Starfield. I love Starfield. Fun game. Yeah. I know some yeah, people. Yeah. Some people are haters on it, but you know it's so expansive and so much fun, and so many little nuggets in there that it's it's yeah. a, it's a good good game. So I'm with you on that, hundred percent. Well, Scott, why don't you let us know a little bit about um, where folks can find Spells and Sourdough and Dwarves and Daisies and what's coming up with the pre-order for Rituals and Recipes. Um, And if folks haven't noticed, there's definitely cozy tropes in every one of those titles. So you know what you're getting. Uh, Tell us where they can get a hold of that. Yeah, so the whole series is in KU, Kindle Unlimited, which means it is exclusive to Amazon. So head over to uh, Amazon.com, type in Manhattan Magic, and you should be able to find the series. Uh, Dwarves and Daisies is the novella. That's the first installment in the series. Spells and Sourdough just launched. And Rituals and Recipes is available for pre-order. That is scheduled for launching, I believe, in April, but I'm aiming to get that out sooner, so... You won't have to wait a full year for book number three, I promise. Awesome, Scott. Well, thanks for coming on the show this episode. Awesome. Thanks for having me, as always. <laughs> Scott, you've you've got a great handle on what you're doing here with this cozy urban fantasy thing. I've, I've read both the first two books in this series and can't wait to read the third. Manhattan Magic is a perfect series for a cozy holiday read for people. So I hope they will pick it up and get to know um, both dwarves and daisies and spells and sourdough. And we'll have a link to that series in the show notes for this episode over at jamiedavisbooks.com. But Scott, why don't you share with listeners how they can get in touch with you directly and what you have next coming on? So, Real simple, scottiswriting.com is my website, and I'm Scott is writing on most social media websites. And the one thing that I really failed to mention, I do need to mention, is that uh, my Cozy Vales story and all of the stories I write in Cozy Vales will be under a pen name, not under Scott Walker. So because I'm, I'm jumping genres here, I've launched a pen name, which is the initial L, the initial A, and Scott. So it's L.A. Scott, which... Uh, I live in Los Angeles. It, that that was completely coincidental, uh, if you want to believe that. So the pen name for my Cozy Vale stories will be L.A. Scott. Uh, but you can find all that information on my website. It's, it's not a private pen name. Head over to scottiswriting.com and you'll get all the information you want. 
Yeah, and I, I've read um, the preview of the short story that L.A. Scott contributed to the um, to the uh, story, and and Jennifer is uh, it's already like a favorite character of mine. I just she's so cool. Um, so I can't wait to see more of what happens with her and uh, all the other Cozy Vales authors. There was um, I'm looking forward to reading the other short stories. Um, I actually got that book today, so I'm going to be reading it um, over the coming weekend. Uh, awesome. So digging into awesome. that. Thanks. Yeah. You know, we I'll say this. We've got some we have a mystery in there. There's an adventure in there. There's a slice of life. There's a lot of different options and different reads for readers. And each author, as you know, Jamie, each author brings their unique tone and voice to the story. So how they tell the story is a little bit different. And this is a great way for readers to kind of sample for free the different um, authors in the Cozy Vales project and decide which one they want to continue with. One more, all of them. It doesn't matter. It's up to you, whatever you as a reader respond to. But there, the point is there are a lot of options there. And I'm sure... There's at least one story and one author that a reader will connect with and will want to continue uh, in the Cozy Vales project with. So anyway, very much looking forward to that. Thank you so much for downloading that. Looking forward to hearing your thoughts. Where can people find out about you and your books? Well, you can find me over at jamiedavisbooks.com or on my Fun Fantasy Readers Facebook group. And I've got some other exciting things in the works for readers to connect with me coming up. And I'll have more about that in a future episode. In the meantime, make sure you check out the podcast over at jamiedavisbooks.com. Subscribe to the show. There are ways to do that below the audio player on any of the podcast episode pages. And uh, definitely follow up with us. And we're going to have some of the Cozy Vales authors in a future episode, too, which will be exciting. So I'm looking forward to that. As am I, sir. As am I. All right. Well, until next time, I'm Jamie Davis. And I'm Scott Walker, asking you to keep on reading and keep listening here to the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast.